0: Gizmo has a block and a sideline. He has not stepped out. He may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily.
1: Promise Mess I wouldn't do this.
0: McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores.
2: Hey everybody! Welcome to The Outsiders, powered by the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. It's Podcast 80, Monday, November the first. It's also our first segment, our first episode of season three. I'm Bryn Griffiths. He's Robin Brownley, and he is Darren Drager from TSN. Guys, how you doing today? Doing well. Excellent. Well, let's dive right in and talk NHL stuff. And there is a ton of stuff to talk about, but we've got to talk about the Kyle Beach story. I don't even know where to start with this one, but Darren, we'll throw it to you right off the top. It's not a pleasant story to cover, but it's not a pleasant story. And it's one that needs to be covered.
0: Yeah. look, I mean, uh, it's okay for us to feel uncomfortable, for the world to be uncomfortable with the graphic detail of what happened because you know, we need to do collectively a better job to try and make sure it doesn't happen again, even though it seems naive to believe that to be the case. That's almost dreamlike. So, Um, What I've been doing is, um, you know, just taking stock of everything that's gone on over the last couple of weeks and, you know, collectively how we in the media need to do a better job, how I need to do a better job, um, how everybody needs to do a better job. I mean, we're going into a week here where, man, I'd like to tell you, I have a real good understanding of what to expect from the board call, you know, of the National Hockey Players Association, you know, could it ultimately cost Don Fears' job as executive director? Um, We know that Commissioner Bettman has availabilities. We know that uh, Mark Chipman, part owner of the Winnipeg Jets, Kevin Chevalier, general manager for the Winnipeg Jets, uh, unfortunately had to delay their meeting because uh, Chipman is suffering through a bad bout of vertigo and anybody who's had that knows that that's some serious stuff. So. Yeah. If he's good to go on Tuesday, then that's good because, you know, then you can kind of maybe, maybe start pushing away from that side of a story that takes us back to 2009, 2010. So, you know, in a tough way, this is all healthy for everyone to be held accountable, um, for everyone, uh, in, in the hockey community. And that's where we speak from where I speak from, uh, to, to think back and and say, man, given an opportunity, I, I guess I should have done things differently then. Uh, and if everybody learns from that, and Kyle Beach is given the voice in this process that he deserves, and it sounds like he's going to have a voice in this process, according to what I read from the commissioner, um, who, by the way, met with Kyle Beach electronically, as did uh, Don Fear. Uh, the goal has to be that we don't have to, Uncover, not deal with. Uncover stories like this Correct. in the future. Even though, as we said, that's that's probably too lofty an expectation or a goal. And Robin, your thoughts on everything?
1: Well, Darren, the first thing I'd like to say is I think Rick Rick Westhead uh, of TSN has done an unbelievable job of yeah. uh, of bringing things to light and fleshing things out. Um, I was involved a decade ago, more than a decade ago, in the Kennedy uh, and Flurry stories. And uh, it's tough, it's tough sledding getting people who will talk uh, and who will tell the truth. Uh, they're, they're separate things sometimes. Um, to me, it's stunning that we haven't made more progress in bringing things to light i mean we like to think that we're learning and we're developing but really i can't believe anybody 15 years ago 20 years ago didn't know that the sexual assault of a young hockey player by anybody is a bad deal and needs to come to light i don't think we need to be at 2021 like hey now we're getting it look we're learning this is a road we've been down before with flurry and kennedy why did we go 10 years till this comes to light again
0: darren Mm. how does this happen i don't know man but that's what discourages me um and, and look let's hope that there are positives that are manufactured out of the Kyle beach story. I know that, that, that has to be what fuels him. Otherwise, why do you put yourself through this other than you, you're, you're, you're seeking accountability, right? But you're also seeking change. And I certainly don't speak for, for Kyle beach, but if you don't believe that by this public outcry, this messaging, the work that's going to get done, that there's at least a chance, of changing it or mm-hmm. a chance of preventing it from, from happening again, man, then our world is twisted beyond anything. But I, I think your point is is very valid here, Robin. Um, and I thought a lot about that over the weekend. Um, and probably Saturday when I'm watching Sheldon Kennedy on, on Hockey Night in Canada on a great panel where they openly talked about it and you could see the emotion and hear and feel the emotion from Sheldon Kennedy. And I'm like, Man, he must be one of the strongest people I've ever met. You know, because we're sitting here, and I don't know that our, our our viewers or our listeners can can feel or hear the emotion coming out of us. But Sheldon has lived it, and every day, every hour of his life, he has has fought to try and prevent it and do great things to advocate and to raise awareness and not just to to sexual abuse and all of that, but just the world that he works in is such a great place. You know, I'm sure he has moments of weakness, but I'm watching him on, on Saturday night and, and all I got from that was strength and power. And And so in that sense, if men like that, people like that are willing to continue to fight for change and try and 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 prevent this from happening again, then 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 we're just there to deliver the message and 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 help him along the way. So that just gives me hope. But to your point again, Robin, like the fact that Kennedy, his experiences aren't that long ago. Theron Flurry's experiences aren't that long ago. They were before 2009-10 when Kyle Beach experienced and had to go through what he went through in Chicago. So how is that possible? I mean, nobody learned from from the experiences, obviously in the hockey world, specific to those involved in this case of Kyle Beach to prevent it then from happening. So I'm not that naive to think that... uh, you know, we're going to wake up one day and it's going to be eradicated.
2: And I and, am and I take a real negative approach to this for a lot of reasons. One, I arrived in Moose Jaw to begin my broadcast career a month after Graham James had been blown out in Moose Jaw and he moves down the highway to Swift Current. Yeah. Now I get Theo Fleury, who was a remarkable junior hockey player who'd gone through everything he did. And I kind of watched him struggle off the ice. On the ice, he didn't struggle, that's for sure. But no, I'd heard all the stories. I'd heard all the stories. And yet here I am, I'm a 23, 24-year-old kid who's a broadcaster hearing these stories, and you want to say something, but you're scared. You're scared yeah. because you don't want to be sued. You're scared because you think it's going to ruin your broadcast career. As players are afraid, of. it's going to hurt their hockey career. Right. There's, a, there's, that, there's that scared vulnerability that I think that these sexual predators play on, obviously. But it's, it bothers me to this very day, and I still feel horribly guilty that I said nothing. Mm-hmm. I knew that something was probably going on, but I didn't have the ability or the knowledge to be, uh, you know, to go deep undercover on a story. When I was just starting my broadcast career, I still remember when Theron's book came out. I read it. I was in Phoenix. I read it by the pool in one day, and I immediately phoned him. And I said, look, I'm so sorry, because I fit into two chapters there. I know exactly what he's talking about, and I still feel sick about it to this day. So every time a story like this comes up, I feel sick about it. I feel guilty, and I get really, really angry at everybody. But what I'm starting to learn is that I don't know the full story. We don't know the whole story. The National Hockey League is obviously (laughs) doing their investigation. I wish they jumped in 11 years ago. When That's if they were even told 11 years ago, and by the sounds of it, that wasn't the case. The hockey club covered it up. But I'm at the point now where I'm I'm waiting to see what comes of all of this before yeah. I start making crazy outrageous opinions and statements because I don't like to I don't like to make a real bold statement anymore on the record until I've heard absolutely everything. I just don't know if we're going to hear absolutely everything, Darren.
0: No, we may not. And and uh, I mean, here's hoping we do. But again, I that might be too lofty an expectation. Um, I, I, I guess, you know, again, as I'm watching this story unfold and in, in fairness to process here um, and Rick Westhead deserves all of the credit, along with Katie Strang, Mark Lazarus, all the good people that started and followed this story throughout its path right? Not just with the interview last week that Rick Westhead did, which was so powerful, um, you know, just moved so many things forward uh, with Kyle. Um, but, you know, I think you, 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 just, you, you have to take stock at, at, at how this story evolved and, you know, Rick is a dog in a bone. He really, truly is, man. He is an investigative journalist. We play in the toy box, right? You know, yeah. that's we're insiders. And I, you know, yeah, I break the odd hockey trade and the odd signing and the odd firing and hiring and all of that. But that that that's that that's the journalistic toy box of the hockey world, if you will. Um, you know, Rick, he takes on the tough stories and and there are lots of stories that you know, he just doesn't get around to or can't just because of of everything that he is consumed with on a day by day basis. He was relentless on this one. And I'm fortunate enough to be part of a real good editorial team at TSN, which, you know, in addition to Rick, probably doesn't get enough credit. Right. The mm-hmm. brass, the resources that TSN continues to pour behind Rick's ability to to tell stories like this on all platforms, you know, not just TV radio, CA, all of that. Um, so I guess where, you know, Bryn, you just talked about looking back to your time in, in Moose Jaw um, and look, I, you know, this is, this is never going to be about you or me or, or Robin or anyone. Absolutely. It, it can't be, it won't be. Um, could we have done a better job? Should we have done a better job? Yes, mm-hmm. no doubt about that. If 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 I knew all of the details of the Kyle Beach story uh, to the point that we we heard from Kyle last week, um, would have I used my Twitter platform to amplify this? Of course. But I also knew, being part of the editorial team, that Rick was on it and he was working on it, and it was getting close to a point where it got to where he was able to report what he did and. Now we know. We don't know the rest of the story, but, but we know. Um, so if there are mistakes in, in how we have approached, uh, I guess in some small way, that's how we have to learn and be better. And I, I like so many others, are, are hoping to be able to do that.
1: Darren, the one thing I, I'm seeing, and I just saw it for the first time this morning, forgive me if, it's, if you already know this, Uh, The beach legal team is now apparently adding what they're calling fraudulent concealment uh, to the case that they are making um, in the suit. What now, I mean, we don't know about that at this point, but what I do know is this, and we've talked about it. Beach went to the team during a Stanley cup push yeah, we can debate who is in the room and who heard what and who remembered what. And we know that at this point, for instance, Kevin Shovel day Off was ruled by Gary Bettman that he was sort of a junior guy and he wasn't mm-hmm. in a position to, you know, the same as uh, Joel Quenville and, and, and Stan Bowman in that. Um, what hits me in the head with this, and it makes me feel ignorant because I'm not a young man anymore, is this. We're hearing from people, believe the victim. We've been hearing that from women all our lives. Now we get into the male thing, the hockey dynamic, the team dynamic. He went to the people he thought could, he could trust. He told his story, his truth, and they said, yeah, 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 we're in a Stanley Cup run. Yeah. It's still, that still bowls me over. How about yeah. you?
0: Yeah, it does. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I was real happy with John Tortorella. I don't know if you guys probably saw the, the clip anyway, yeah. um, you know, on American uh, network the other day talking about it. Um, and this look, you know, this isn't easy for anyone to talk to uh, talk about, you know, especially a coach who was very recently coaching in the National Hockey League, wants to coach again, as he's publicly stated, in the National Hockey League. But the thing I love most about Torts, having never worked for him, I've worked with him on a panel at TSN, is how honest, um, blunt, but also kind-hearted he is. Here's a man who knows right from wrong. Plain and simple. Just plain and simple. Now. You know, again, not to throw it back in the arena of hockey here, but has has John Torrell made umpteen mistakes in his, in his path and in his life? Yes, of course he has. Too many for us to count. And he would admit that. But, man, he put it so bluntly, Robin, you know, just feeding off what you said. You know, how is it that at that time, the seven men in that meeting, and not to defend Shovel Day off, but I do believe his position at that time, and I'm sure, there have been many sleepless nights for Kevin Scheffel Dayoff. And, and hopefully, all of the men involved. Stan Moman is no longer employed. Hopefully, he, you know, it's not about being employed and being the general manager of the Blackhawks anymore. It's reflection. And man, I should have done things differently, even though John McDonald was a you know what, uh, real strong uh, personality. Yeah. No question about that. But for torts to say, how did somebody not just say, no, this is not right. This is, we're dealing with this right now. And I think that that in some way, he put it as simply as I needed to understand it. Because, you know, you're thinking of what the dynamic in that room would be like, you know. And, okay, if that's the first time the shovel layoff heard of the allegations, well, that was in May. You know, what about the other six? How long had they been talking about it, dealing with it, knowing it, you know? Uh, and then, you know, for, for the powers that be not to handle it in the fashion that was expected, I suppose, until June. I mean, it's, 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 it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling that didn't happen.
2: going to be a lot of people saying, what was I thinking? And they're going to be thinking yeah. that for a very, very long time. And, hey, listen, we could talk about this for a very, very long time, and hopefully in some ways we do. So we can maybe yeah, uh, get this thing turned around. But I do know one thing. Anything we say on this podcast today could be horribly dated by Tuesday. <laughs> yeah, so that's fair. we'll have to just stand back. I, I know one thing, I'm not going to be pushed. I am not going to be tainted by what I read on social media because everybody's got an opinion and they're happy to express it, and that's what social media is for. But I know one thing, I wait to see what's going to come of this entire investigation before I'm going to start chirping and giving my opinion. All I know is I'm disappointed. I'm hurt. I feel it. And I hope we can change it. So you want to leave it there? You want to talk about some other stuff? Sure. Okay. So here we are. We're starting season three on the outsiders and you are leading off the parade again. And thank you for that. (laughs) But let's, uh, let's talk about the NHL season and everything that's going on here. I see the coyotes are struggling horribly and the, the Canes are absolutely surging. you a little surprised by either of those two stories?
0: Uh, not Arizona because, uh, you know, essentially that's by design, right? Yes. You know, Bill Armstrong, general manager of the Coyotes, was given a mandate, effectively trim payroll and let's start building the old school way again. And that's the draft and uh, and, and development. And he walked in there and inherited a mess. So, you know, contracts that he didn't like, uh, that ownership knew that they were going to have to address and, and he's done a lot of the heavy lifting there for the most part. So it's almost like they're starting not with a clean slate. They're still a bit away from that. Not surprised that Arizona struggled so, so mightily. Um, yeah, I mean, to see the Carolina hurricanes, as we record this, you know, what are they eight? No, now, um, Yeah, You know, you would think that along the way through eight games, somebody would have found a way to get to them. But I, you know, there's so few good stories, positive stories. And generally speaking, most of us in the media gravitate to the negative because that is the clickbait, right? That is the social media platform backbone, all of that. Um, so it's fun to, to look at at uh, the tough starts in Montreal. And we talked a bit about Arizona, but, you know, Freddie Anderson, um, you know, fans in Toronto would have driven him to the airport, not because he was bad, just because they were happy that, the, that Kyle Dubas and company were embracing change and weren't going to spend bad money on the veteran goaltender well look he's still got lots of game and he's one of the great stories for the Carolina Hurricanes and there are so many other aspects I mean Kotkaniemi uh, again part of the crew of villains that are no longer with the Montreal Canadiens. He seems to be thriving. How could they do what they're doing without Dougie Hamilton, who's moved on to New Jersey? So, um, you know, in so many ways, and I think Rod Brinmore gets enough credit, doesn't he? Yeah. But the he credit does. he gets is, is well-earned and he wants no part of – the credit-taking machine he doesn't care he's just coaching a team but you know i had one general manager longtime guy tell me last week we were talking about the maple leaves oddly enough and you know he was saying look i struggle to understand what the maple leaves are you know what's the identity is it the skill of matthews and Marner? um you know but they're trying to sprinkle the infield they've got grit they've got this they've got that look at carolina play yeah, you know the the skill is in the top six, but their first line plays similarly to how their fourth line plays. You know, with that same sort of uh, you know take away the space, play with pace, all of that kind of stuff, and and by by just sheer determination, that's the mindset of of Rod Brindamore. So maybe he doesn't get enough uh, enough credit, or maybe he deserves more credit for how they've started.
1: Now, Darren, this is going to sound like a a punchline and it it really isn't because I think there's truth in it. I think, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs could really use a guy like Zach Hyman. Um, (laughs) Yeah. He's, he's come out here. We're going, okay, what's all the term and all the dollars for? We didn't get to see him last year, you know, much last year, uh, in any year because of the, of the schedule, and he, this guy is a lot more than what his numbers tell you, the way he plays yeah. the game, the way he goes to the blue paint, uh, the things he does. Uh, same for this Warren Fogle. I didn't Not know them. Warren Fogle from Uncle Harvey uh, yeah. when he came. Effective player. And now I look after we thought – Sutter would come in and do something with Calgary and get their asses in gear last season. Didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And we've got Calgary and Edmonton atop the Pacific division. It's awesome. Um, Talk about that. The battle of Elfers, (laughs) especially when both teams are good.
0: Yeah it's it's again it's one of the positive stories that uh, I'm happy about um not a bit surprised at the impact of of Zach Hyman I haven't watched him so closely here and and look this is going to sound ridiculous but he's as good an individual off ice and in the community as he is on ice yes and, and I know that that sounds hokey but it's true he's just he's a good guy and as you guys have already experienced in the media um he, you know, he takes his craft very seriously, but he's thoughtful. He listens to your questions and he answers the questions. He's not dodging. You know, look, there are going to be tough times ahead. That's just that's just the way it is uh, in any pro sport. Uh, but but he's the real deal. I get the one thing that I I don't concern myself with, but I would wonder is. And you can say this about a lot of players, so I'm kind of defeating what I'm about to say. You know, when I look at that contract, I'm good with it because, you know, the Oilers are more or less on a short-term winning run here. That's just the cycle. And and every contending team goes through that cycle. So if Zach Hyman, with the miles on that chassis, can stay as effective as he is for the next four years, then I'm good with it. Doesn't matter that there will be three years remaining on that term. Doesn't matter, you know. He'll have he'll have more than made up for the cost of that agreement. But I do worry a little bit about that because he plays the game so damn hard. He plays the right way every shift. It is work, 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 and he's got a, a great balance of hockey IQ um, and. Touch around the net, right? And, and playmaking ability that makes him so well-rounded. So the only thing you worry about, which probably applies to every player in the league, frankly, is long-term. Can his, can his health stay with him? And here's hoping that, that, that it can. And, and quick thought on Warren Fogle. When, when he first arrived via trade, uh, and actually not first, I'm talking about training camp, and the oynders actually got a real good luck at him. One of the coaches said to me, holy smokes, this guy's a player. And he is exactly what we needed, um, particularly on that third line. Um, I don't think that anyone in Edmonton knew that for a big man, he could get down the ice. Uh, and had the hands in the finesse game that he appears to have. So players like that are, are are a commodity because you see it. If you had to, you can throw Warren Fogle into your top six and not miss a beat, right? But the right. fact that you've got him playing in the position that he's playing in the top nine, that just gives Dave Tippett options that he hasn't had since being named head coach of the Edmonton Oilers.
2: Well, the two major questions for me going into this season, goaltending. Duh, like we've all been talking about that for the last couple of years. However, I think the goaltending's been better because the yeah. defense has been playing a little better in front of them. Yeah. But the the other one for me is the bottom six guys. They just never got any kind of help in the playoffs against Winnipeg for the top guys yeah. by getting any kind of scoring out of the bottom six. Now you bring in, and we mentioned Warren Fogle. All of a sudden now you got to be careful with their third and their fourth line because for sure. they might be they might burn you. And then add that to the power play, which is – the fact it's over 40% is absolutely amazing to me. I don't know if they can keep it there, but if you take a penalty, if the Oilers get one power play goal every night, they're going to win a
0: lot of hockey games, Darren. Yeah, it's almost automatic. And I was watching a game last week, and um, Wayne Gretzky was the interview guest with, uh, Gino. with Gene Principe. Yeah, and obviously, you know, uh, Gene asked about the power play, and he wanted to make the comparison. <laughs> and Gretzky he basically said, "Ah, you know what? Uh, they're better than we were." You know, John Muckler used to talk about our, our power play being so effective um, because we scored timely goals and, and power play goals in key situations, but we weren't nearly as automatic as this group. So when you've got the greatest player of all time, who, you know, was key on a power play back in the eighties when everyone was scoring, you know, saying and acknowledging that, I mean, that's not bias. That's just Wayne being real. Um, So I am sure that there are lots of uh, penalty kill coaches you know, going through video on mass, trying to figure it out. Right. I mean, you stop this oh, yeah. weapon. Well, there's one over there. And then there's another one over here and Oh, they look out from the point because they've got that covered too. So, um, you know, yeah, it's just one of the many stories early on in the NHL here that again, are, are positive and fun to watch. You know, it's funny. You, you mentioned that interview, both of you,
1: I literally almost fell out of my chair. I know we <laughs> say that sometimes. Look, this is an this was an era when the Oilers huh. were scoring 400 goals a year. Yeah. Um, you add the names of the guys in the Hall of Fame who could throw it on that power play. Not counting yeah. Grant, who was probably standing at the other end watching it all. Yeah. It's yeah. Just remarkable that you could have a power play that's clicking at a more efficient rate. <laughs> Than all those Hall of
0: Famers, isn't it? Like, how does the and the goaltenders now are better than they used to be? Oh, how, does that,
1: how does it happen?
0: I that's that's the part I honestly don't understand. But you know, to stay in today's era for a moment, it's it's how many times have we looked at Alex Ovechkin from that from that spot on the left yeah. side? Yeah, right. And gone. How can you have scored well over seven hundred goals? so many from that position on the power play and nobody has figured out a, how to stop the puck and b how to defend that shot. And I think it just, you know, and, and, and again, I, you know, I like Gretzky and that group on TNT um, because they're having conversation, but game one, that panel talked about Ovechkin and obviously the comparisons were going, were being made and, and is Ovi going to, to overtake, Gretz in, in goals scored and goal scored and all of that. And I think it was Wayne, maybe it was Taka, who just said, well, you know, Ovi's been doing it forever. Um, it's just the accuracy and the velocity of the shot. The goalies can't get there fast enough. You can't defend it even though you know it's coming. Maybe that applies a little bit here, guys, to the talent level of the Oilers. Maybe it does. Like, they're so good that you feel like you've got that one area sealed off but then that opens up space for for somebody else. I, you know, there, there needs to be a conversation and maybe it's already ha- been had in that market. Um, of course, there's structure to the power play and the power play coach, you know, devises these systems and these plays and all of that. But does he really with that group of talent? Or <laughs> yeah. does he just flip the puck out there and practice and say, just do what you do.
2: Just do what you do. Well, mm-hmm. the funny part is watching the game in Vancouver on Saturday night. And of course, the first the first line power play is out there. They come off the ice and the 26 year old stepson says to me, Oh, well that's that. And then Warren Fogle scores 10 seconds later. I went, Oh, that, that gives the power play a really different dimension. So it's going to be just fun to watch. Hey, you mentioned hall of famers. We're actually going to have a hall of fame induction ceremony coming up here. Kevin Lowe's got a big week coming up because his Jersey will be hung in the rafters on Friday night prior to the game with the New York Rangers. But let's talk about Kevin Lowe and let's talk about this Hall of Fame group that's going in finally. They've waited a long time for this,
0: Darren. (sighs) Oh man, you know, I I remember having this conversation and, and and I'm not suggesting that that Bill Waters was debating Kevin Lowe's Hall of Fame status. I think it would have been, you know, we've all again had those conversations where you're sitting in a room together. Well, what do you think of this guy? You know, do his stats, you know, does his impact on the sport get to that Hall of Fame level? And, you know, I'd, I'd often throw out Kevin's name and and not just because of the six Stanley Cups, but more about... You know, in in working the short time that I did with the Oilers, getting to know Kevin, um, getting to know what his teammates thought of him, and then he goes to the New York Rangers. They win again, you know, talking to his teammates then and what they thought of him, and they all said the same thing. We don't win the Stanley Cup without Kevin Lowe being in that room and on the ice. Well, that's enough for me. I mean, you've got a half a dozen Stanley Cup rings, uh, and you've got – you know, some other hall of famers who are already in the hall of fame saying we don't win without this guy. What more do you need? I mean, the evidence is there. Ample evidence is there. So, uh, this one for me was, was long overdue and it's, uh, it's a terrific class. It is. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they're being honored. You know, you
1: know, Darren, and you would have seen this in your time here as well. Uh, Kevin Lowe would do whatever it took to win. Uh, whatever. Tape it up. Uh, yeah cast it up, do it, shoot it up, do whatever yeah, yeah. you had to do, he'd play, but the thing that stands out for me as a guy who missed a lot of those Stanley Cup parades not getting here till 89 is if there's a guy that is the Edmonton Oilers and no disrespect to 99, but in terms of the fiber of the team from the word go, the first draft pick, the first goal a yeah. captain, a player, yeah. an assistant coach, a coach, a general manager, a director of hockey operations, <laughs> and now a chairman of the OEG. Is there anybody top to bottom more Edmonton? No. Oiler than
0: Kevin you, Lowe? you missed
2: one too. A community leader.
0: Yeah. yeah. He was huge yeah. in the community. Sorry, Darren, go ahead. No, nah, you're bang on. Um, and And so many of the good things, hockey related and otherwise that have happened around Edmonton yeah. have Kevin Lowe's fingerprints all over. Right. I mean, yeah. I have that conversation with Bob Nicholson. Um, uh, I mean, it might have been a, a, a good business investment. I guess the only thing Kevin didn't do was buy a piece of the orders, but maybe Daryl wasn't in a giving mood at that point. But uh, I mean, it's it's just everything. And I just, I love, and and look, you can have the conversations over a beverage with Kevin and, and he's a great storyteller. Um, but I love sitting there and listening to him and a teammate talk because they'll talk about the practices where he'd stick his teammates in practice. You know, if you didn't think that they were skating hard enough or working hard enough, he'd give him a shot on the ankles. I mean, that was just a feisty competitor that he is. So to me, Again, we, we get caught up. Some some Hall of Fame inductions are pretty obvious, and it's based on on skill set and goals scored and, and, and all of that. But sometimes you have to work at it. But for me, I'm not being critical of the Hall of Fame process. I guess I am a little bit. Uh, I think they grinded way too long on this one, long overdue. The other thing, too, he will always get credit for having
2: a solid career as a player. But I stumbled on... The It was game six and seven of the 2006 Stanley Cup final. And I started looking at that roster that the Oilers had, and I know that they only made the postseason, I think the second or third last game of the regular season. But he made a lot of deals going oh, into yeah. that trade deadline. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that team was built by Kevin Lowe. And I don't think people ever get enough credit for that. And uh, I know that he's going in as a player, but I, I wish people might take another look at that 2006 playoff run and recognize that a lot of those players are brought in by a general manager named
0: Kevin Lowe. Yeah. And then you're right. He is being inducted as a player. Um, And I don't know, again, not being part of that selection committee, whether that kind of thing enters into it, you know, just to, you know, cover your, you know, what, if, if that's even remotely necessary, I think from a fan perspective, that would be lost only because they look at Kevin and his longevity within the organization and they can attach Kevin to some dark times. Yes. There's that (laughs) as well. Yeah. But the hall of fame group doesn't look at that. They're, They're not worried about public sentiment. They're just worried about, again, from a player perspective, absolute no brainer.
1: You, you know, just one more to touch on something about Kevin's competitive nature. We were at, the team of skating at Chelsea Piers in New York, and Kevin wasn't even a coach then. I think he was the GM. A couple of the black aces were out, and they were having a drill, and out comes Kevin in the track suit with the gloves on, <laughs> and, and the old Lang or whatever those goofy skates Microns, are. Microns. They were micron skates. Micron, yeah. And there's a loose puck in the corner, and it might have been Marty Reisner. I don't remember. But Kevin goes in there full bore, and he's hacking and chopping and hooking, and and the player's looking around like, what the hell? This is my GM. What am I supposed to do here? But the switch hit, and Kevin didn't care.
0: Nah, nah. I mean... You know, he just wanted, expects, and probably to this day feels the same way, right? Like oh, you yeah. have to play the game as fiercely competitive as you can, no matter if you're the goal scorer, or the goaltender, yeah. uh, or you know a fourth line, a fourth line fringe player. I mean, just there was never a shortage of compete or fire in that man's belly, and that's probably the same way now, no matter what he does.
2: And of course, the one thing that ended his career was vertigo. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. anything that he wasn't that he was slowing down. It's just that his body told him I got to stop. And yeah. vertigo is a brutal thing. So uh, I, I, I've had it. I'm, I don't know a few other people that have had it and it's, it's awful, but congratulations to Kevin. It's going to be a lot of fun this week. Uh, the are they've got a big gala coming up on the Thursday night on yeah. the Friday. They're going to do a plaque unveiling. Yeah. Lanny McDonald's going to be here representing the hockey hall of fame. And so that will be done. And then we'll have a monstrous ceremony prior to the game, which is only appropriate. The New York Rangers are in town, so it will be Mm -hmm. a lot of fun. Hey, before we let you go, a couple of quick things here. Uh, Outdoor Arena, are you building one this year? (laughs)
0: Uh, I'm not. No. And I actually didn't build one last year either. Uh, I helped a buddy. Um, I, <laughs> I moved in a pandemic. We've probably talked about this on the show before. Yeah. Uh, so we're now a year plus in our, in our new house. And I, I don't have the same room and my kids are, you know, my daughter's first year law school and my son is uh, third year at Guelph university. So um, as much as I enjoy it, uh, I just, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So I'm, but I will be on Christmas Eve. I will be retweeting all of the great backyard and pond rinks nice. from around the world. And and look, I always I, every year it sort of amuses me. I get it. I mean, you know, some people have my tweets on alert. So I tweet and it goes bing and they look. Well, I probably retweet 100, 150 pictures, maybe more on Christmas Eve. And I can understand how that would would sour some people. Just turn your alert off. But my followers on Christmas Eve actually drop by a few hundred, maybe (laughs) even more. Yeah. And then they probably just pick it up a day or two later.
2: Well, I'm hoping you'll retweet our podcast because the the one time you did it, I think it was the very first time, all of a sudden, then we're getting people you know, pulling us in in Finland and the Czech Republic and (laughs) Australia, because your reach is, is that uh, intense. So, And then what about the Ray and Dregs
0: podcast? Everything going okay? Yeah. <laughs> Now nah, it's been great. We're into season three as well. We've had some great guests. Last week we had Zach Hyman. We talked about him a short while ago. We're going guestless this week, um, which doesn't happen very often. I feel like we maybe have done two or three, and they're usually in an emergency pod basis when something big happens. Yeah, just in light of everything that's going on with the availabilities of the commissioner and the Don Fear PA situation and all of that, Ray and I are just going to uh, do our best to tackle it and then do what we do. Today, just talk about some of the good things that are happening around the NHL. The term is shoot the shit. That's yeah. the word you're looking for. Well, we do a lot of that. A we lot. do a lot of that. I
2: know. And uh, your partner in crime, he seems to be enjoying the
0: ESPN thing. Yeah. I think aside from the travel, um, which he's used to, uh, as, a, as an analyst, he's uh, traveled extensively across North America. But hmm, surprising, it's not easy to get from Vancouver to Tampa Bay. You know, there's a couple of uh, yeah, there's a there's a there's a couple of stops in between. So uh, aside from that, yeah, he seems and he doesn't have Gord Miller. So Gord Miller is is Ray just follows behind Gord, right? Yeah, he's just yeah, you go, I'll follow. So Ray doesn't have that. So I'm sure he's had some trying travel experience.
1: It's it's too bad given the travel you're talking about. And I think about that that Vancouver Tampa Bay thing. We should have like the Ray Ferraro impatience cam where it it just hovers with a drone or something where it just hovers near him.
0: You know what? We do have it Robin. It's it's the preamble to every (laughs) podcast we record because as soon as we sign on to Zoom or Riverside or whatever platform we're using, inevitably Ray is like got his mittens on and he's trying to fumble to try and get things set up and the tech side of, of, turning the mic on and getting the camera to work and him being able to hear us is a challenge week after week. So I think that's been stockpiled somewhere and he didn't, he probably doesn't know that. I guess he'll know now if he listens to the outsiders.
2: Before we let you go here, the uh, you've obviously made this move to a new home behind you is a beautiful bookshelf. I see your Gemini award is up there. What else <laughs> you got behind you there? Um, this is a chance for you to pat yourself on the back because you well, deserve every know, one of those. What's easy? that one?
0: The box. Yes. So the box is a 43 year old bottle of Canadian club whiskey. Nice. Sweet. Yeah. I, like, I, they gifted it to us uh, as part of the podcast. Um, yeah. I've got lots of books, obviously. I've got a picture of me walking with my, uh, my daughter and my son uh, when they were little guys were looking for a Christmas tree. Uh, I've got the Humboldt Broncos pin. Yes, Which that'll nice. stay with me for uh, as long as I can. Oh, and hold on. Here's a, here's a, okay. What do you got uh, reaching back there?
2: Okay. What is that? Look at that. Oh, very nice. Mike flag.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a collector's item now. NBC is out of the game. So that's an NBCSN Mike flash. Now were you given that or did you just kind (laughs) of uh, pack it away? No, no, I was given that because I was doing, it was actually last year and I was supposed to do, uh, I did the segment from, uh, from the rink in Toronto and uh the mic flash didn't arrive in time so Uh i went with a uh mic flashless mic
2: gotcha because i have one from every station i ever worked at that's a lot of mic flags
0: so yeah you know what you do that now guess what happens hr on line one and you're out exactly can't even well, take a I'm, pencil
2: anymore. I'm out now anyway, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> hey, uh, thanks for your time. Always great. Thanks for kicking off another season. And uh, it's great that you guys are always so available when we need you. So we appreciate your time today.
0: Ah, uh, you bet. Anytime. I always enjoy the show. And, oh, oh, one uh, last thing. You're wearing something over
2: your heart today. It's the 1st of November. I feel bad that I haven't done it yet. Tell everybody yeah. what you got going.
0: Yeah, it's got the red poppy, obviously. And, and you know, um, I made light of of my retweeting experience on Christmas Eve. Um, but if anyone uh, doesn't follow Gord Miller, uh, you should, leading up to November 11th, Remembrance Day. He does such a good job of recognizing military families, both his own Uh, And those uh, across Canada and he's reading pictures from grandfathers, great grandfathers, just uh, a wonderful service. So that's the least we can do. And then look, I didn't have one, even though we're reminded every single day by someone from TSN, you know, Make sure you've got a poppy. November 1st, 11, make sure you've got a poppy. Make sure you have a poppy. I didn't have one. So I scrambled out to the local convenience store here. Um, at, we recorded 1130 Eastern. I'm going to say 1120. So I literally just got back and into the office mere minutes before firing up on the old Zoomer because I had to go out and get <laughs> myself a poppy. Well, when
2: I worked for the Oilers in the Public Relations and Media Relations Department, I would always go down to the Kingsway Legion and make a sizable contribution and get about 80 poppies to take on the road. Because the Oilers, the rodeo was always here, so you were always on the road. And I knew that I'd have to supply poppies. The coaches all have to wear them. Players would want to wear them. The funny part for me was, let's say you were at Madison Square Garden, and I don't know who would be coaching for the Rangers. And, of course, they would see the poppies, or or they would see you wearing your poppy at the morning skate. And and they're Canadian guys and they want to know, gee, I wish I could get a poppy. We always ended up looking after the visiting or the home team. Good for you. So it's good stuff to remember. Thanks for your time today. It's fantastic.
0: All right, guys. Be well. Thank you. Thanks, Darren.
2: Well, here we go. It's the month of November. As expected, things are starting to slow down on the real estate front. But I got to tell you, it's actually going pretty good. I was chatting with Brent McIntosh at the Macintosh Group at Remax River City just the other day. He's off on a little bit of a trip to Europe, but he actually, as he headed out of here, said he's really surprised at how busy it's been through the month of October and now gaining a little bit of momentum into the month of November, which is great news. Now, perhaps you're still looking for a home as we head into the festive season. Get a hold of Brent and any of the team at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. They'd be happy to help you with the sale of your current home or maybe the purchase of your next superstar. All you have to do is give them a call at 780-464-0075 or McIntoshGroup.ca. Start the process with a complimentary evaluation of your current home. No obligation at all. But uh, you know what? Give them a shout. Don't let the market pass you by. Both buyers and sellers are more than welcome to give them a shout. The Macintosh Group at Remax River City. Once again, that phone number, 780-464-0075. Or you can find them at macintoshgroup.ca and tell them The Outsider sent you. Okay, so season number three of The Outsiders is underway, and it was great to have Darren Drager from TSN join us today. Man, Robin, those are some tough topics, but I'm glad we had a chance to kind of uh, talk a little bit about it because it has been—it's been on everybody's mind, right?
1: Well, absolutely, and wouldn't it be wonderful if we didn't need to talk about it? I know, but I we're know. not there yet.
2: Exactly. Hey, before we go, we got to talk about one other thing that is very Edmonton, Edmonton localized. And that is what is going on with the football club? Hang on a second. Can you hear that? The, the, I'm at the Road 55 studio today. And, and the main guy here, Rob Lalisher is, uh, is, is doing some construction work in the studio next door to me. <laughs> Keep it down over there. Anyway, uh, it's just uh, the company keeps growing and I'm very excited about that. Okay. Anyway, back to the Elks. That's going to drive me crazy. Anyway, uh, back to the elk situation. I can't recall, and I watched bad teams in the late '60s in the non Hole Gang growing up, and in the early '70s. I don't think I have watched a team as bad as this one in a very long time, if ever. It was so. It's been so bad, just by the way that the club has handled itself off the field since the season began, and on the field. I didn't even watch the game on Friday night. In fact, I caught myself watching, are you ready for this? There was a special on television and it was how important Scooby-Doo, where are you was to the childhood group that I grew up with. And they were breaking down, you know, Casey Kasem was the voice of Shaggy. Anyway, I caught myself watching it for five to 10 minutes. I'm thinking, look at yourself. You're watching a special on Scooby-Doo. Instead of watching the Edmonton Elks play a home game, what is wrong with you?
1: Well, it's nothing wrong it with
2: me, by the way. It's the team hasn't <laughs> made it to the point where I'm even interested.
1: Borrowing from Scooby Doo and not doing it justice, it's a real row situation here because huh? I tell you. I sent out a, a message that night asking somebody who was there, how many people are actually there? Cause I'm looking around on the TV broadcast and I said, is there even 12,000 people there? Uh, and it was actually, uh, uh, Dave Jamison who said fewer. Uh, so that's a, you know what? The worst thing is this. It's great when they love you. It yeah. can be great when they hate you, but when they don't care, you've got a problem. And if you've got 10 or 11 or 12,000 people got around in your stadium where you're Owen six uh, aside from all the off field stuff that we've touched on and still to come um, you've got a problem and the Edmonton Elks have a problem.
2: The Canadian men's national soccer team is going to be invading Commonwealth Stadium to take on a couple of World Cup qualifying teams like Costa Rica and Mexico. They will probably draw in those two games more than the Elks have done for the entire season. <laughs> and, and, and I mean, they're talking about the potential for two sellouts for those two matchups. Mm-hmm. It tells you a couple of things. One, it tells you how bad it is for the football club and also it tells you that right now, and based on the way soccer is in Canada from a participation standpoint, it's not truly surprising, but obviously having the Edmonton kid, Alfonso Davies in the lineup and the Canadian men are surging. It's uh, it, 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 There's two statements in there. So good luck to those guys. And that's coming up the middle of November and good luck to the Elks because uh, their seasonal run is about to end. And I think it's going to be a very active off season. So
1: anything else? Are we missing anything? No, you know what? All I'll say is I think that was a hell of a pod, my friend. It uh, was
2: today. It. Yeah, and season three is underway. By the way, you can check us out on Twitter. The handle's really simple. It is at Outsiders2020. Make sure you tell your friends and that you click on the RSS feed. That way, when we drop a new episode, it'll go to your favorite ear candy site, whoever that is. could be Apple, Spotify, Google, Pocket Cast, Deezer, all these other uh, guys. And we're also on YouTube as well. Robin is broadcasting from his luxurious studio in Southwest Edmonton. And and I am uh, under construction here at the Road 55 studio in downtown Edmonton, about a block and a half from Rogers Place. Your support greatly appreciated. And if you want to get a hold of us and see if we can partner up in some way, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, we just get bigger and better with your support. The, the podcast is growing. We get more downloads every week. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that you keep retweeting to your buds. And that's how the word gets out. That's why we're kind of giving Darren a, a hard time because honestly, when he retweeted that he was on with us at one time, we were getting people following us from all over the planet. And the, the funny part was we were only really in Canada. Like I think 85% of our audience was in Canada, 5% in the U S maybe my one cousin in Wales downloaded the show. But after Dregs. Uh, did what he did and retweeted, we We're like I said, Finland, a few Russia, a few people in uh, Australia, Japan, all over the place, and it just tells you that a hockey insider like he can really help push you a long way. Robin, thanks. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk again next week, okay?
1: All right, man. See you later. storm in the castle.